Good morning, Nathan. How are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. I love the, I know the viewers won't be able to see it, but I love the background. <laughs> beautiful background. He's got these just amazing, gorgeous cannabis nugs just sitting there and they're all of their beauty. I love cannabis photography. I've been a fan of it. Used to do a little bit of myself and uh, do some prints and I love it. I love it. It's beautiful. God gave us a beautiful plant. We should admire <laughs> it and use it to its fullest potential. Well, to get right into it a little bit, you know, reading your bio, but no one, you can only read so much, but it's always better to hear from someone. And I'd like everybody else to hear about you. Nathan Johnson, PhD, co-founder and CEO of Vern Bioanalytics uh, in Massachusetts. Tell us a little bit of your backstory and about Vern Bioanalytics, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, certainly. My traditionally, I came from the pharmaceutical sector. My previous life, my previous occupation is I was literally hired to help figure out cancer. Um, that's really what the job, job was. And my role in that job was to analyze vast amounts of data to come up with patterns, come figure out how to actually make a difference and, and cure cancer is really what the, what the company was all about. <laughs> is, can is cancer cured? I literally just read something this morning of uh, where President, uh, the President Biden was saying that cancer is no longer an issue. We cured cancer. It's just the same as a broken arm. It's no big deal. Oh, that's BS. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we have gotten better at being better at treating cancer, but we definitely have not cured cancer by any means, which I imagine. Well, you know, why is that? You would think with everything that we have going on in today's, the technologies that we have with all the advancements in modern medicine and then just advancements in, we'll talk about AI. I have a guest coming yeah. on later that they're using some AI initiatives in some very unique ways. How have we not taken care of this already? So actually my PhD is actually applying AI to biological data. I use that a lot because right. uh, biology is complicated. Uh, imagine 200,000 dimensional space is really what, what the type of data that I was working with. Um, yeah, you, you really can't. Uh, we don't think that way. So yeah, that's why I, I don't need to fathom that. So. <laughs> so, but the the reason what, with, what the problem with cancer is that you're trying to fix yourself and the underlying problem is that we get old. Your cells divide every six days. Um, as time goes on, think, things build up. Think of like your car and your oil that goes into your car. You have to change your oil because things ever so slightly need, need to be fixed. And same thing with your body. Um, so cancer is just a result of that. Um, cancer, Alzheimer's, a lot of these big complex diseases are all symptoms of us just getting older. The issue with cancer is that you have cells that are not receiving the right signals to do their job appropriately. And so a tumor is essentially a bunch, a bunch of cells that have decided just to make more of themselves and not take the clue from the rest of the body and just shut down. And so they're just incapable of taking those signals and they just keep making tumors over and over again and just produce overproduce. But there's a thousand different mechanisms on how that happens, which is why cancer is just a universal term for that. But it's okay. actually by tissue, by cell type, by region is all yeah. slightly different, which is why it's a little bit difficult to fix. To fix so. I mean, you said by age, but then, you know, there's cases of kids getting cancer and stuff too, oh, yeah. you know? And so then, yep. so this is completely probably wrong <laughs> the way that I'm going to ask, but you said that it's uh it's the cells not talking. So cannabis, one reported effect of cannabis is that actually helps our cells communicate better. Is that why cannabis has been proven effective in helping treat some forms of cancer? 
that study that you're referencing, um, Israel puts out a lot of these good cancer studies with cannabis, um, is actually the, one of the reasons why I came to the cannabis industry. There is one thing that people seem to give a lot of slack or a lot of flack to pharmaceutical scientists is that they think it's all about the money. Most of the scientists that are at these companies are there because they're trying to make a difference. It's just the, the brutal challenge of spending five years just to get 2% improvement is a really hard pill to swallow, for lack yeah. of a better And yeah. the reason why we develop for Earn Bio um, is to actually get back to that same problem, which is cancer, as well as solve these complex diseases using cannabis. But the reason why we made Vern is that if you don't have a healthy plant, if you don't know what the plant is doing, how in the world are you going to be able to solve something as complicated as cancer when you can't even understand what, what tools you're using? And so, because if you look at those same studies with cannabis, sometimes it makes it better, but sometimes it actually makes it worse, or sometimes it does nothing. So if you don't have the understanding of cannabis, how do you actually know how to effectively use it to, to do those things? And so... Um, Vern is just uh, one company of, of multiple that I'm trying to work with to to help actually make this a reality. Um, the, the problem, though, is I have a great appreciation on how complex cancer is, and I also have a great appreciation on how complex cannabis is. And when you have two things that are both really, really complicated and you're just hoping that this by random luck, it, it works out. I just don't believe that uh, it's it's science. Most of the time, it doesn't work. So if you don't know what to do, <laughs> you're going to have uh, a hard time trying to fix it, and that's going to equate into money as well as timeline. I could only imagine how almost monotonous the process must be, because, like you said, two very complex things. I understand from my own limited knowledge of cannabis. You know, over 160 known cannabinoids, and then. How does each one relate, especially when combined with other cannabinoids? I understand that as well. You know, some cannabinoids do a, an effect on their own, but when combined in certain ratios with other ones, they do different effects. And then trying to use that and treat cancers. That's why I'm not a scientist. Now, <laughs> you said something that I actually haven't heard, and I would love it if you would expand on it for a brief moment. You said that cannabis you know, in these studies has been proven to, yes, be effective, which I've I've seen that and I've heard of that. I've actually seen it in my own life. Uh, not me personally, but people that I know. You said that it's been shown where it doesn't really have any effect. I've seen that as well. But you said that sometimes it can be an antagonist and actually make it worse. I've never heard or seen of that. Could you expound on that? Because of all the combination of cannabinoids and honestly terpenes and also other things that are in the plant, like proteins that could also have an effect. Those all think all of them can bind to your cell receptors to different degrees. Um, and when you put something like that on a petri dish, when you have, so literally scientists will use a little plate that has cancer cells growing in them. They'll give them a media uh, that's filled with nutrients so that those cells live. A common method for a scientist to see, are we on to something that could actually have a difference? They'll just literally just throw that into the plate and see what happens to the cancer cells. And just drip it just, in. Just drip it in. They'll sometimes put more, they'll put less, they'll combine it with different things. They just want to ask the question, is there a chance here that it can make a difference? Now, you can't get too excited because you can pour bleach in that plate and kill all those plants or all those cells. Right. And so obviously you have to be a little bit skeptic of like, okay, it kills it, but how's this going to do to your normal cells? 
Uh, and so you want to be very, very cautious about that combination. But the idea is if you put something in there and the, the tumor cells do something this, in, a, in a way that possibly makes it indicative that they're going to die or, or not grow or something like that, then that means they're on to something. And so this happens <clears> with, <throat> with cannabis, just like any other thing that's out there, you always see the pro, the con, and then you see nothing. Um, so there are some studies or some, some results that have actually shown that cancer will start growing faster when you put in some cannabis extracts. Wow. Now, but the question is, is why? Like, what, why, why does that happen? The one thing that a lot of people will not talk about, and you got to be really realistic about this, is the people that c- cannabis does, does wonders for are the ones who are still talking. Those that it didn't work for aren't talking anymore. And so this is the, that's, this hard. Is why, that's, that's the reality is it is. Yeah. And I have a bias observation. Like I've seen yep. people who will have a melanoma cancer and they'll put an extract of cannabis on there and it will clear up after a matter of a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. but it keeps coming back though. That's the challenge though, is it keeps coming back. Yep. So that's the underlying <clears throat> problem there is why. I, so personal story that I have, and I didn't realize what it was until I was an adult. So when I was a kid, um, from the ages of, I want to say nine, I think is when my grandma married him. So my grandfather died when I was five years old and my grandma got remarried years later. I want to say it was like four years later, four or five years later. So it was around nine or 10. And the man that she got married to, uh, he lived in Colorado. So she moved out there to Colorado and was married to him for a long time. Um, and then they separated, but while she was married to him, uh, when she got married to him, it was known that he had cancer, melanoma cancer, like skin cancer would pop up um, and he would get these scabs and stuff. Mm-hmm. And when I was staying with him, I remember as a kid overhearing the, him talking with like my grandma and like uh, my parents that he had this friend that lived there in Colorado <laughs> that was a very natural person yep. that had his garden and made this extract that he put on. And it was this black dark extract that he used to always put on and it would help it go away and then i remember that there was this time that this guy he couldn't get a hold of him for whatever reason for like a four to six month period his stuff got really bad it came back with a vengeance and he was able to get on stuff and he was even taking it subling sublingually you know after i get older and i get into canvas myself i find out what he's taking you know it was probably like a rick simpson oil exactly exactly what he was taking so that was back in the nine you know early 90s and then you're exactly right. It always came back and he actually did eventually die from his cancer, but it did prolong his life. I will say that. And when he was able to use it all the time, it helped, but it didn't completely kill it and take it away. So I was reading some the other day and who better to talk to than you. So for (laughs) a while, everyone thinks about the endocannabinoid system. And we think about when we intake cannabinoids, we think of two receptors, primarily the CB1 and CB2 receptor. Mm-hmm. But you you hinted at it earlier, talking about like the proteins and stuff that are in the plant. And also, I learned something new the other day, the way our body even intakes cannabis and the cannabinoids is through some different protein receptors as well. That kind of changes things the way that you start looking at it and the way that it affects you, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. 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 People will talk about the CB1, CB2 receptor. If you actually look cancer cells, they have that all upregulated. They actually have receptors to respond to that but so do a lot of some other cells in your body. So a lot of people like to use these associations or, or they'll take cannabinoids and having like an antioxidative effect and they'll try to claim that as a way for it to actually 
cure cancer to various degrees and all those different, I would say, bro science to some level. So do blueberries. Blueberries are antioxidants. There's lots of other mm. things out there that do these things and blueberries don't cure your cancer. Just highlights the fact of your body is wonderfully complicated and cancer is the, the fact that your, your cells are no longer receiving signals to, to do what they're supposed to do. And they go, they go haywire. And so normally most proteins are most things that are in plants. They don't interact with your cells. They just get broken down and get reused like a garbage, like recycling. They're recycling those amino acids and repurposing them for stuff that is useful for you. Or you can get vitamins from them where you can't make them so you can reuse it for different purposes. But the bottom line is I guarantee you that there are hundreds of receptors that are going to be interactive with cannabis, just given the, the amount of response that you can see from cannabis. I'm not saying it's because it's just only one or two receptors. There's plenty of drugs that are made out there that only affect one or two receptors that do a whole lot of effect. But given the, the broad-based response on how people respond to these things, it would, be, would be, make a lot more sense yeah. if there's a lot more re- re- way for the body to interact with it. Yeah. Now, cannabis being the amazing plant that it is, there's so much in it. Each mm-hmm. strain is different when you, and especially oh, yeah. nowadays with all the new hybrids that we have, I just say everything's basically a hybrid nowadays because it's been crossed so far from its original mother that, you know, but- <laughs> Each strain, I would imagine that in in your studies, in the testing and experiments, if you will, that you guys have done, is that some of the the things that you're seeing maybe from the difference between a, a good effect, a negative effect, or no effect is the types of strains? And in your studies, could I maybe ask, what have you identified as maybe some of your more medicinal strains? Or maybe is it is it indica? Is it sativa? Is it a specific side of that personally i hate the word indica sativa or hybrid well why because as a scientist i want a name to be defined as something that's meaningful um so cannabis indica cannabis sativa are actually taxonomy names that correlate to something that is indicative of the plant those are based on physical features like long leaves versus fat leaves things of this Mm -hmm. nature Those definitions came came out hundreds of years ago before cannabinoids, terpenes, all that was were profiled, and, that, and that's normal. Botanists, that's what they use. They they use those features to define their world. But when DNA sequencing came around, when when other tools came around to actually correlate those physical features to the DNA sequence that it is, lots of taxonomy gets changed when that correlation gets done because phenotype or physical manifestations and genotype or the DNA has a lot more variability in terms of what what's possible. And so indica sativa, while it's a nice hand wave to explain what the plant is doing, it really limits it on what the output of the plant is. And since the output of the plant is cannabinoids, terpenes, and different combinations thereof, that's what you as a user responds to by you just simply saying it's indica it really simplifies the whole process in terms of how the farmer, how the farmer uh, grew the plant, where they grew the plant, how they treated it after they uh, extracted it or possibly harvested it, how they cured it. All these different effects have a direct correlation to how you respond to that plant. And so when you say indica or sativa, it's like 
okay, you've now narrowed the population of 100 strains down to 50 that all may do different things to you that are wildly different. Yep. Um, and so it's nice as a, as a nice way to explain it, but it's not useful to the consumer, in my opinion. <laughs> um, I like that. So. I like that. I like that opinion. No, I, um, one thing I've noticed <clears throat> that a lot of dispensaries are doing finally, and they're doing it in the states that have been had programs going for it a little bit longer, is they're doing the education past the THC. They're talking about the minor cannabinoids. Some brands even list those minor cannabinoids on their packaging uh, as part of the overall percentage. And they're everyone's heavy into the terpenes and finally getting into what the terpenes actually do to you. As I like to say, as I like to shop the nose nose. If you smell something, if you don't even read the label and if your body engages with it, you know, you're drawn to it. That's probably going to give you the best experience versus if you were shopping, looking at the label. Now, if you do shop, looking at the label, I always tell people once you've identified what your nose likes, then look at that. And then don't look at the THC content or nothing, but just look at the terpenes that are in that and look for the ones that are heaviest in that. And that's what your body's needing. Mine, mercy. It's always been mercy. That's every every strain that is heavy in mercine i am drawn to and it does wonders for me for the uh anti-inflammation for my gut helps so a lot there for the relaxation and pain relief but some people that's too much and they like the terpaline or they like the care filing they like to be a little bit more up and focused and stuff so i like that i like what's your definition because really especially like i said at the beginning of conversation everything's so crossed so far from the original mother nowadays that the true indica sativa is no longer even a thing and if you look at the sequence between both indica and sativa, there is um, lots of differences, but at the same time, you can't identify if it's indica or sativa just from that alone. So yeah. there's a lot of extra extra stuff there that we got to figure out as we go forward. So how should we label stuff? What do you think? I would say based on based on the product output, your cannabinoids and terpenes, because that's okay. ultimately what you care about. The only reason why you want a strain name is it kind of gives you some kind of brand recognition on who is actually making that plant because right. that is a huge component to the quality that is produced. So like, for example, the terpene levels that you have, that's a very good indicator because if they've mishandled the, the flower at all, those terpenes are going to be gone. And if, or if it's old and so smelling mm -hmm. it, you smell a really good terpene profile that already gives you an immediate checkbox on it's good quality because yeah. they've taken care of the flower. What, what actually is the type of terpene? What is the actual cannabinoid and what's the combination thereof? That's what gives you your effect of who you are. Because um, beyond that, and that's, again, that's 1% of what the plant is giving you. All the cannabinoids and terpenes that we profile are a fraction of what the plant is doing, but at least gives you a different metric on what, what the effect will be. Whereas if you just look at THC percent, I mean, there's such a thing as a saturation effect. If you, there's a point where your, your, your cell receptors can't actually take anymore. Yep, um, yep. And if you actually keep pounding that, your receptors are going to retract, which means it's going to be harder and harder for your body to respond. So yeah. <laughs> the a, saying of, I smoke so much, I smoke myself sober. Yep, exactly. <laughs> that's a real thing. People, yeah, it's a real thing. Or the people that will smoke several joints a day, if you, if you ask them like, when you start doing that, they'll say, oh, it took me months to get to this point, And I have to smoke this much to get to that same effect. But if they yeah. do like a type of cleanse, they don't do anything for about two or three weeks. So they'll, they'll reset their body, essentially. Mm -hmm. yep. um, and that's, it's hard for a medicinal user sometimes, but you can use it in other right. ways, you know. Yep. But you can still microdose. Like that's what I do for myself. Definitely. I'm a medicinal user. I use it for in replacement of several pharmaceuticals and stuff. And it's helped me live a better quality life. But. I still take breaks. 
You know, I don't necessarily take weeks. I'll take a few days here or there and it'll help me reset. And when I'm doing that, I eat really healthy drink. I already drink a lot of water, but I'll drink even more and drink like cranberry juice and teas and stuff and try green teas, try to cleanse it out a little bit and, and then restart. But you're right. You're right. I've, I've been there in the past. Not anymore. Not anymore. Uh, now I'm just strictly, like I said, pretty much just a medicinal user. And then if I am at an event or something, you know, maybe for a little bit socially, cause I don't drink alcohol, but there was the times that I would be part of just some smoke sessions, man. I'm telling you just burning the house down and you get that point where you just pounded those receptors all night. Now you're just like, okay, well, I'm, I'm sober now, so we're good to go. <laughs> Let's go eat. <laughs> I'm hungry. Need the food. And then you get the food high. Um, so, Vern Bioanalytics. Mm-hmm. What are you guys doing differently? First of all, in the in the testing space uh, of cannabis, uh, say cannabis and hemp as a whole, because I do have experience on the hemp side. I have experience on both, and right now actively involved on the hemp side with testing and stuff uh, with the hemp brand that I run operations for in Delta Space. And there's that has its own whole can of worms that we won't even get into, uh, mm-hmm. and just needs some help in the regulatory doesn't need to be banned just needs regulated the same way that we did with cannabis but even in cannabis there's still some discrepancies you know you go read a label the sad thing is you can't always believe that even at a dispensary yep what the heck like Like, (laughs) how how is Vern? uh how what are you guys doing differently and and what do you guys think of that and how are you trying to change it Great questions. I love I love the the lineup. So first things first, we focus on plant health. So we focus on mold, mildews, viruses, viroid that affects the plant. So the the picture you see behind me, there's actually a hopslate and viroid in the plant on my right or left, and the plant on the other side is not. So you can see the frost level or the, mm. the trichome level is quite drastically different between yes. both of those buds. And that is as due to hopslate and viroid. That's due to one of the biggest epidemics that's happening in cannabis that, that's ruining a bunch of those trichomes in this example. But there is on the order of 60 plus pathogens um, that actually can all affect the health of the plant. So just like people, plants get sick. And if your plant gets sick, you, they don't produce as well. And so our role as a company is that we do lots of testing both nationwide and internationally for these things. And then on the other side, people have microbial failures for various reasons. We come in and help them fix it, provide some sort of of surveillance to make sure that everything stays healthy. So that way they get a a warning before they get to the production phase because a lot of the things that we do, we test at the clone, the seed, at the vegetative stage because at that point you can do something about it. If it's in the flower, the damage has already been done. And so we focus on that plant health to make sure you're looking at the genetics of the plant. We're looking at what it carries on from what it has, like, what is the, is it infected is essentially what we ask for. So wait, plants can carry on basically cancers. They can carry on genetic issues from the mother. Like, Oh yeah. It's all, it's all just like humans. (laughs) Yeah. So like the flu that you get, plants have different types of flus that they get sick from. That they don't sneeze and cough like we do, but they're going to be droopy or wrinkly or show yellow indication or things that could be attributed to nutrient deficiency. But it can also be virus-based. Um, and because of how cannabis is grown, it actually is quite pervasive. Is there hereditary sicknesses? It can be. 
um, wow. because viruses can pass through seed. Wow. So um, it can pass by insects. It can pass by touch. It can pass by your pruners or your, or your clippers. It can pass in your environment. So there's lots of ways that these things can get passed around. Um, and that's why we exist to help help mitigate that damage. And so second second part was what is, so that's what you're doing to help mitigate it. So obviously mm-hmm. I'll take from that, that you guys don't like what is going on in the market and you're trying to prevent some of these things. You're trying to prevent it yeah, from the that's, beginning though. Yeah, the, the market, I mean, it's not surprising when you have the cultivator making a decision on which lab to go to. Uh, of course, yeah. there's going to be some bias from both sides because yeah. the lab is financially motivated to give you whatever answer you want. <laughs> so, yep. um, and because of that, the, the label is not going to represent what it should represent. Hmm. Uh, but on the flip side, um, it, can also, it also is due to the fact that all techniques and science have some level of bias or some level of insight that they give. And when you have, say, 20 labs in Massachusetts all using 20 different methods to quantify THC, of course there's going to be difference. So that's another problem. The last problem is also stability. That THC percent that they gave you from that batch six months ago, is it going to be the same results now? Of course not. And so that's the other effect of is, is the numbers are going to be slightly different depending on different different ways of controlling it. So it's it's slowly getting better. I would say one of the best fixes are going to be labs that do third-party checkups on other labs to make sure that they're doing well. Um, a government lab would probably be a better one because they're not financially motivated to give the answer. They just give the answer. <laughs> so they don't care what the result is. Um, and then they can just do like your... your um, you're shopping in the lab or not the lab in the dispensary to see if the label actually matches the product, things of that nature. But it'll be a slow fix as time goes on, but it's getting better. Okay. Now, are you guys involved anywhere else in the States besides Massachusetts, as far as what you, with your testing or anything, or are you held to Massachusetts because of state laws and federal, so federal us, regulations as well? We actually have the USDA permits to accept material internationally. Um, oh, all so right. we, because technically everything that we work with is hemp, um, no matter what the plant's going to be made, because yep, we don't yep. deal with that. Uh, you don't deal with the flower, you just deal with the seeds we don't, and clones. We just deal with everything before our flower. I like um, it. And Thank so you, we DA. are, that's right. <laughs> so <laughs> they ruled that the source law, it doesn't, doesn't apply to this, so it doesn't really matter what the, what the plant's going to do. And honestly, we don't care because we're just testing for viruses and things of that nature. So really we accept cool. material nationwide and internationally. That's really cool. So where, since you deal internationally, uh, where are you seeing a, a boom happening, man? I mean, we always have the states and we have new states popping up left and right all the time. There's new laws and regulations changing daily. But oh, yeah. internationally, where are you seeing the next boom starting? Um, so Europe was thought to be a really big boom. But then Germany t- tend to backpedal in terms of their legislation. So that one, maybe in the next couple of years as time goes yeah. on. But I would say yeah. probably Colombia, Costa Rica, uh, because they have export rules in place. And that's going to make a very interesting relationship with the United States. So okay. the DEA actually, I think it was a couple months ago, allowed the first international shipment of cannabis to come in. It'll be interesting. It will... It's already complicated as it is in terms of each state have their own market 
try yeah. and try to muck it in with the rest of the world. It's going to be a wild ride. What about places like Malta, Spain, South Africa, Thailand? Yeah. So Thailand, they also backpedal a little bit on their legislation. Um, really? But yeah, they did a little bit, but they, their government switched. But again, That's it's a problem with those countries. Yeah. So those other state, those other countries can produce cannabis cheaper than we can. Mm -hmm. uh, but the challenge is going to be transportation and and quality of goods. Yeah. Um, I would argue probably locally sourced, locally grown is going to be a better quality plant and a better quality bud than trying to get it from Africa. That took you took a month to get to you. Um, yep. Or we more. still grow the best. We so, still grow the best. When I was in Spain, uh, I was in Spain earlier this year. I was in Barcelona. Mm -hmm. Looked up the cannabis clubs. Went to one of the best rated ones. It was an awesome little club. It's one of the smaller ones too. It's called Club Guru. But if you're ever there, I recommend going. Their menu is always stacked. It's great. And uh, it's a nice little spot in the Gothic Corridor. But anyway, when we went there, we were there for, I want to say it was uh, four nights, five days. We were in Barcelona. It might have been longer. But anyway, it was a long trip. We did it after a convention. So it was just uh, a blur in time. But anyway... We went there the first part of the week and, and met the people and smoked some really good heirloom OG strains. Like I got to smoke cat piss from Soma Genetics, Soma Seeds from for the first time in I want to say almost a decade. It'd been forever. It was really good. And they kept telling us that, hey, come back at the end of the week. We're gonna have something really special. Well, I got there at the end of the week and they're like, Hey, we got something special and we got stuff from California. <laughs> and they pull out these nugs. Uh, they pull out the product from, and it's like some. Uh, there was a, a gelato strain, and there was a cookie strain, and it's like, man, this is the stuff that I smoke all the time living here in Las Vegas. But you know, we still, we still have the best cannabis, at least according to the world standard, from coming out of California. You know, um, I always, I always say the best flowers from California and Oregon, and the best concentrates are from Colorado. So hmm. that's what I've always done. I'll be curious to see how that how that works as as more states come online. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, definitely for sure, definitely for sure. It, it's been you know kind of sad, like living here in uh, Nevada. Our program isn't bad. We definitely have some quality out here. There, there's some quality stuff out here, but it's just few and far between. And the ones that are quality, you are paying an arm and a leg for. I mean, it's just astronomical on the pricing. It's crazy, and it makes it even on the medical side, it makes it hard. Um, mm -hmm. nice thing that Nevada does do is they accept out of state medical cards and stuff. And so people are able to get that benefit when they come in within the state, but it's still not as accessible as it is in places like Colorado or California where the prices are a lot lower. And I mean, just for reference, a nice, a good quality live resin extract, whether if, if you're saying in a cartridge or even just a, a gram of dabbles, we'll say a gram of dabbles, one gram in Colorado of really good stuff is going to run you anywhere from on the low end, maybe 25 to 27 high end. Yeah. You're going to pay 45, 50 California was just out there. Low end 18, 20 high end, maybe 35, 40. Um, but that, and that stuff's crazy, insanely good. But here in Las Vegas, can't even really buy full grams. It's a half gram. And for that half gram, uh, live resin concentrate, even for a low quality one, you're paying like 35 to 37 dollars for a half grain you know so the just the price is is just so messed up so i'm very interested to see i was out in arizona uh, just a couple of weeks ago the arizona market is insanely expensive just to enter it's like 10 to 15 million dollars just for the piece of paper and so it's a monopoly out there and the the licenses they only have like 100 
17 or something dispensaries in the entire state, you know, versus like California has a few thousand or like Colorado and the quality of their product, same thing. It's just not very good. It's so it's the quality so poor that there are some Delta eight products that are better quality in terms of testing, in terms of the effects and the taste because of the ingredient, the stuff that you're using with using actual hemp or cannabis drive terpenes and stuff, Mm -hmm. but then the actual cannabis market. It's sad. That's embarrassing. <laughs> it's very embarrassing. Very embarrassing. So, and you have that same problem going on in places like Florida as well, man. I got good friends that live out in Florida. The Florida cannabis market is so messed up. Uh, they're not even recreational, they're medical and very limited access. And then when you even get the ability to get a card and you go into the dispensary, the access is just not there. You're looking at like maybe 12 SKUs in the entire store. Right. That's across edibles, vapes, and flour, you know? So, yep. It's yeah, very it's sad. Limited cultivation out there too. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, everything out there you grow is going to get some mold. <laughs> that's exactly right. That, that's why know. they don't have a mold test out there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is so sad. Really? Yeah. Yeah. They they um they're yeast and mold for regulation tests. So in Massachusetts and other places, you have a pretty strict standard on that. Yeah. Um, in Florida, you don't because they know that mold is everywhere. Um, the main thing that they require is the aspergillus and some of the other, the other other bad ones. But again, they don't require a general mold test because they know it's going to fail. <laughs> so. And people wonder why there's still a black market. Yeah. Because at oh, the end of the day, to me. <laughs> at the end of the day, you can still get some of the best cannabis from these old school growers that know what they're doing. They've been growing for years. They grow their soil. And if you grow your soil, then it grows the plant. And hmm. now you get this amazing, amazing flower that's very medicinal. High in the terpenes. Complete control environment too. That's the other yeah. thing is that because it's because it's black market, they have to be much more careful on where they grow and how they grow. And they're not going to be telling your buddy or whoever that they have it, no. uh, which means that it's going to be relatively safe from infection and these other problems because it's completely different environment. So I'm not an advocate for the black market, but I can see the reason why it exists. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And until we get some better laws in, in place and get some people that actually care about the product. There are the people in the cannabis thank thankfully there are people that actually care about the end the end user, the patient and what it does. But there's a lot of people that just came into this from other businesses that wanted a quick buck or so to speak and or they wanted to be in the new cool enterprise and they just have that dollar amount at the end of the day and they do not have the end user in mind. And so then you get products that are harmful to you yep. in more ways than one. Exactly. Exactly. Unfortunately. Okay. Well, Nathan, I, I really appreciate you coming on today and just sharing the immense knowledge that you have. And I'm sure we could go on for probably hours with all the experience that you've had in your life. But thank you for just a, a little brief glimpse into what you guys do and over there at Vern and what you guys are tackling and some of the issues that you have tackled and just education on cannabis in general and how it affects the body. I really appreciate it. Very educational today. Oh, it's quite my pleasure. And I'll be in Nevada at MJ Biz as I'm a speaker there. So we oh, really? in person. Oh, then <laughs> so. we'll meet in person because I'll be walking around. So it'd be good to meet you awesome. in person. Great. Awesome, well, you have a great day. Talk to you soon. You too.
The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.